0: so pod so what Chris Poland extravaganza episode all talk in this episode was recorded close to a year ago but kept in the vaults until now so that it would not precede the peace cells series I think it's definitely about time to get to it here we are here we go
1: Well, that's what we do over here. When you take a physical, and they they squeeze your balls, they say turn your head and cough.
0: Ah, okay, so it's like the the cavity search or whatever that is when you're in the airport, uh, when you have to put your hands on a table and cough, well, and you have to have your well, pants I'm, down well, have- so that the drugs in your in your uh, <laughs> anal cavity fall out.
1: <laughs> well, I'm gonna i knock on wood. I've yet to uh, be subjected to a cavity search here, in customs or uh, or airports. So uh, let's uh, let's. Um, Let's continue to operate under that being conjecture firsthand at this we'll point. Let's continue
0: knocking wood to the rhythm of the uh, yes. Raining Blood intro. Yes. Dut, dut, dut.
1: That's right. <laughs> we timed the clap.
0: We didn't time the counting whatsoever. That's typical guitarists, you know. We, we can't count. Yeah, in. that's
1: right. We it can't, can't count, but we can begin at the same time.
0: <laughs> no, if, I think yeah. if I'm a drum kit, I always do the same counting.
1: Yeah. It doesn't matter which yeah. song it is. It's, like, it's just right. a cue. It's
0: yeah. not a tempo setter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's good enough for rock and roll, isn't it?
1: It's close enough for rock and roll indeed. Yeah. It's also, probably close enough for jazz, which is an excellent segue. Close enough for, for jazz. Topic yeah. in hand right, today. Right.
0: Topic off yeah. today. We're actually recording two, two yes. little
1: neat episodes today. But
0: uh, I want to check in with you a little bit. Looks bright over at your place. It's just a, your, your indoor oh, lights, must be, right?
1: Yeah, it's just indoors. lights. It's fucking. It's one fifty-six in the morning right now. So if it was if it was light outside, I'd be pretty fucking surprised. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah because we. <laughs> I'd be very surprised. We, we've been
0: listening at uh, listening. We've been talking at very different times. Yeah, you know, very different sides of the clock recording the show because obviously we got the six-hour, um, time zone difference, and we got the three kids yeah. kid difference as well. <laughs> yes. Where you have three yes. and I have nil. So uh, that that makes yes. us, our schedules very different. Uh, normally I would be in like doing it your time now, like one AM, mm-hmm. two AM, perfect for me. Yeah. And probably my time would be perfect for you, which is uh, seven. Or actually now it's getting to eight.
1: Honestly it it would be I mean, if it it'd be perfect if we could do it at like three and nine. You know, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. But the thing is, with this <laughs> time you like you're pretty much uh, yeah.
0: awake, super productive. I think, but then your kids yeah. are too, so that's why you know.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, the last time we did it, it was fucking great because I was able to kind of meander my way out of one hangover into the next day's proceedings at a, a reasonable hour of the day, yeah. and it was kind of in the afternoon for you. So, I've done but, the, um, yeah. the legal thing uh,
0: in. Uh, the old christian society and opened a uh, light beer here also in then saturday no sunday morning you know this is church yeah metal church we could call it
1: metal church
0: <laughs> it's a good and good american band
1: uh it's a fucking great american band the first few few the first record specifically i would advise anyone besides the awesome songs on the first metal church record check out the hi-hat sound Mm -hmm. It sounds like bacon being fried. It's excellent. Hi-hats are hard, too. Yeah, they are. metal church record was recorded by an, a then-unknown producer named Terry Date, uh-huh. pre-Overkill, pre-Pantera, pre-all that stuff. Right.
0: Um, he uh, did Corn as well, right?
1: No, that would be Ross Robinson. Oh,
0: okay, yeah, because that was the two American guys that sort of... Yes. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say revolutionized, but definitely 95, 90s Yeah, they
1: were the big metal producers in America in the 90s, probably Andy Wallace too. He did... Divine Intervention, and uh, Chaos AD, I believe, as well.
0: Chaos AD, great sounding. Divine Intervention, weird sounding, I would say.
1: Yeah, but I, honestly, I think it, I think in hindsight, you can look back, I think that might be the most underappreciated Slayer record. That's actually good. I dig the tunes, you know, uh, but the production for me, a
0: little bit weird, and Tom Araya is like on 10 in Dynamics.
1: Yes, that, no, that's true. He's, Listen to that title track.
2: Awake oh, up yeah. way, <laughs> He's
1: very loud. Um but I, I kinda like that because at that point, you know, the other bands of of their stature had kind of gone the other way and they were still kind of you know, sticking it in people's faces. So I thought that was pretty cool. Well if one. you
0: think of it, it's almost like a LG Petrov Petrov <laughs> LG Petrov of Tomaraya, that album because it's just screaming, but, it, but yeah. it's not as charming as yeah. LG on that top on that top level, you yeah. know. Yeah. Entombed, we recorded a segment on them, and now they played and they did this like super uh, guest-filled spot in the Jävle Metal Festival here with Kronos from Venom and uh, uh, Tompa from At the Gates, and
1: uh, and Jorgen did a bunch of vocals I, I, too, I op- didn't he? They
0: opened with Left Hand Path with him on lead. Ooh, that's pretty cool. That's a four-piece.
1: I uh, I have yet to to check that out, but I I can't imagine Jorgen Sandström. Not sounding great doing those yeah, songs, considering he awesome sounds great doing everything
0: awesome else. Um, uh, I actually regret not going. It's not that far from here. We talked about drives, right? It's that drive to your rehearsal. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's how far it is. And yeah. uh, I mean, I had the time, I had the cash. I should have gone because Emperor played as well, and uh, ooh, was a few wow. good bands. Emperor Entombed, and also America, some American stuff. But uh, was that the was that the official
1: LG like tribute nah, game? No, is this that what was, that's supposed to a, be?
0: Like, it's not no longer an up-and-comer, but for me it is because I'm getting older. It's called the Jäffle Metal Festival, and it used to be Getaway Getaway Rock, but I think Gästa Metal Festival is a cooler name. So, uh, of course, yeah, and it's sort of it's not really that kind of uh, summery festival. It's more like you're in a in the docks in a dock area, and uh, uh, but there is a camping yeah. outside and. Um, probably going
1: next okay. Year, you know, good bookings. Rock festival. Rock festivals. It's so it's so noncommittal. You know, it shows it shows real spine. Real, shows real commitment if you're going to say it's a metal festival. Like yeah, Lollap- like Metallica just played Lollapalooza here in America like last week, and Lollapalooza. It was either via tweet or something like that, and it said rock legends Metallica, and I was like, Ugh. like I literally read that and I went, Ugh. oh, rock legends. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> that they legends. are legends. Like, come on. Like, you're really are wasting legends, and your best it, ammunition here, which is legends. Yeah, you know? exactly. You're, you're, like, you're legends. promoting a legend that you booked, and then you put the, the, wrong, I, the wrong Just time. say Legends Metallica. Yeah. I'm not even going to be one of those people that's hard up to say Metal Legends Metallica, which they obviously are, but like, just don't say Rock Legends. That's fucking... They put the word metal in their, the name of their band. So They did.
0: They did. Apparently, that <there> was a <laughs> so. magazine, I think, that he stole it from. Lars...
1: Yes, that is correct, that is correct. But we
0: mentioned all metal bands except for Megadeth now, uh, already, so I guess, <laughs> I guess we can start getting there, but it's one more little thing, and it's a little follow-up from last time, because we don't record that often, it's about once a month, and it's that we've, yeah. we've returned to the stage since then, both you and me, played shows. That's
1: correct, yeah. that's correct, and uh, I guess, hello y'all, it's us again. It's us again.
0: <laughs> right, it was fun. It wasn't very fun to play. And I played um, out of town. So there were no, you know, what I call Narmast um, which means, you know, the closest in mourning. It's something you talk about when someone died. Mm-hmm. And I talk about it when someone goes to see my shitty show <laughs> because they're a friend of mine, you know, or my father or mother or something. And when I was young, you know, they used to be very supportive. With right. And they went to see my death metal yeah. shows. I was like, how, how can we even wow, wow. do this? But, you know, uh, it's also very nice and sweet of them to do that. Uh, but uh, this time was uh, the maiden tribute thing, and we played in in Dalarna, a county, you know, sort of mid-Sweden, you could call that, you know, the, the heart of Sweden in many ways. Gustav Vasa, if you know about that guy, then you know the start of, of, like, the flag of Sweden and how we became like a nation okay. 500 years ago. Okay, uh, That's where we played, and um, i not going to spend a lot of time talking about our bands, but it's just fun to mention. It was nice to get back up on stage. It was my second gig. Sort of after COVID, because yeah. we opened up in the middle of COVID for a little bit, and I played another show then. The, the, the cover band, a tribute band, is called Infinite Maiden. I love playing tribute yeah. shows. Actually, I, I mean, I started playing guitar to write music. But, but you guys are great when I'm on and stage. Yeah, when I'm on stage, out there, yeah, we
1: are musicians. Right, we are musicians. We do play instruments. We do play in bands. So, um, yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about that shit. From There's no to difference
0: time. Yeah. Uh, when I'm on stage if it's covers or originals you know even though i started to write music that's why i started playing guitar but when i'm on stage then it doesn't matter to me if it's covers or my own songs sometimes covers are even more fun because they're well written you know legendary songs like the evil that men do uh, you know when mm-hmm. that kicks in as the second song uh, that's feeling every time you know
1: if the if the songs are close enough to you you can perform them as if they're your own yep. and so there's if that and if you if you get to that point there's almost no difference between playing your own material and playing someone else's if you if you kind of hold it in the same regard or if you play it as seriously or it means as much. Right. So I i think that's great. I could absolutely relate to that, 100%. I was
0: very nervous the first gig uh, in, um, yeah, last year. I was super nervous, and I had like eight beers before, still played okay. But this time <laughs> I did some stupid mistakes too, like not tuning my guitar during the show. That was stupid. Even if it's a Floyd Rose, you have to tune it a little bit in between the songs.
1: Oh, especially if it's a Floyd Rose. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, yeah. this time I
0: I wasn't nervous. That was nice. I was sort of back on the saddle, which was felt good. Um, but enough about my gig. How how was yours?
1: Oh, it was uh, it was great. It was like a, it was a really hot night, and oh, it was just awesome. It was it was awesome. It was it was a great way to kind of get back on the proverbial horse, right. so to speak um you're you're familiar with uh, a band or two that we play with uh freeways from canada yep. and they were great and uh, the big surprise we had talked about uh after the gig was uh, a band also from well a different part of north america michigan state of michigan white magician they played uh, a cover of joan crawford by blue oyster cult which was like that was amazing that was a total total shocker because you don't you don't hear a lot of bands whipping out Blue Oyster cult covers, and if they do, you sure as shit ain't hearing like a deep cut, generally no. speaking. You know, and Joan Crawford Crawford, well, I mean it's it was there's a music video for that song, so it was definitely a single off Fire of Unknown Origin, but it's not a song that I mean, he was playing the the, the piano part on the and it was it was real impressive. It was good shit.
0: ages to hear anything from Blue Oyster Cult, but uh, uh, The Reaper, uh, you know, uh, that was the one around, and that was oh, around from the get-go, like when I downloaded my first mp3s in the late 90s, course. that was one that just popped up, and I liked it too, but uh, it, it wasn't representative at all of the whole band. Uh, like uh, I have Fire of Anon Origin on, on vinyl since a few years, and it's a very, very cool album.
1: I love that record, and honestly, I, I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm like a ginormous blue oyster cult fan but i have i like them enough to own like maybe five or six records and you know and i just haven't had the opportunity because you know when you i didn't get into them until i was probably like 32 or 33 like i respected them but they were always like they're always just too weird for me like for whatever reason they was just a little too and then i, I eventually just kind of grew into it so right but yeah, I mean, uh, Fire of Unknown Origin, I think that's, of the records I own, I think that's probably my my favorite one. They have
0: this AOR tendency that I dig, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's weird. Occult AOR. Huh.
1: Yeah, it's alien occult AOR, like huh. the song um, Veteran of the Psychic Wars. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. You can hear a lot of Hetfield in it. Metallica have played it. I saw that they covered that, and I, like, I kind of... He- Made a beeline to check it out because I thought it would be awesome. And I was kind of disappointed. I didn't really think that they did as good of a job as I thought they would have. It was on that kind of
0: uh, all within my hands thing. I think it was acoustic and uh, maybe that wasn't Metallica's. I think best. That's what it was. Maybe it wasn't their best sound. You know, you can tell a little bit more about their limitations as musicians when you turn off the, yeah. the you know, the ultra mics on the drums and the heavy, heavy yeah. gain. It's like, okay, yeah.
1: Part of the appeal of uh, Veteran of the Psychic Wars is the the, the quiet, loud dynamic, and when you're playing acoustic or unplugged or whatever, you kind of lose that. Right. Yeah, to a degree.
2: You ask me why I'm weary, why I can't speak to you, you blame me.
0: Okay, I'm feeling warmed up. Actually, it's nice to wake up in the morning. I should do it more often. I don't know what my ancestors did wrong, because like, nothing tells me to e- exit bed, ever. <laughs> like, my head is always like, stay in bed, don't get up, you know, you've got plenty of energy to recoup here, don't get
1: up. Well, I think we all know the reason why you woke up. Diana!
0: Diana. <laughs> well, that was the reason I snuck into my own podcast studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> so far,
2: she, 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 so pod, so far So far, so pod, so what?
1: So we are. So far, so pod, so what? The transatlantic, state-of-the-art, speed metal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you for joining us again this week. And uh, we are going to do our first episode of a format that we're probably going to revisit a, f- a handful of mm-hmm. times. Um, we're going to uh, address you know, uh, certain members. Yeah. Of the band, um, I don't know that we'll necessarily get around to all of them, but I definitely know that there was a handful that we feel have been certainly impactful enough on the Megadeth sound that warrants maybe a little bit of a discussion as far as their contributions to the band while they were in it and uh, some of the stuff they've done on the outside of it. And today we will be covering Chris Poland, a guitarist from 84 to 87. And then again, in 89, 90, and then again in 2004, and then probably never again after that. Probably, right. Because he sued Dave. But then again, Ellison sued Mustaine for a lot more money, and he ended up coming back. So Right, exactly.
0: I guess I would call this series uh, <laughs> the, the character portraits or something like that. I'll look for something mega to put there. You know, yeah. Because uh, I've, uh, I've been uh, happy about us doing this freeform so far. But that also means we start a lot of different little branches and uh, lines here. We have the nice story series. Let's see if it ever gets more than one episode. Uh, if it's only one, <laughs> it's Doc and Cop, and I'm happy anyway. <laughs> you know, most, I guess, rock and roll podcasts that are focused or centered around one band would have a couple of discography, uh, biography type episodes. And I think these yeah. are going to be that. Uh, and in this case, for Chris Poland and i'm yes. also getting used to say chris poland again i've been stuck
1: on chris chris Polak <laughs> <for a> while.
2: <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> it's inevitable i i feel like it's good we address this now because i feel like at some point it probably would have come out inadvertently right exactly uh, you or i were referred to him as chris chris polack yeah, or even ccp <laughs> or ccp um which is almost like almost pseudo communist, kind of I guess, way
0: across the podcast studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Chris, Chris Polak is a nod to uh, uh, one of our favorite podcasts, Pot of Thunder. Yep. But yes, uh, Chris Poland is the topic today. And Chris Poland is actually a lot older than I, than I ever thought he was. Chris Poland was born um, uh, December 1st, 1957, in Dunkirk, New York, which is about. 30 to 40 minutes away from Buffalo, New York. Right. So Chris Poland is uh, from my neck of the woods. He uh, gravitated out towards the West Coast in, I believe, the late 70s. I don't know if he met Gar Samuelson in Dunkirk. I I don't know if Gar Samuelson is from the same area or he met Gar Samuelson in L.A.
0: We mentioned the New Yorkers,
1: right? Right. Yes, the New Yorkers was something that we posted on both the uh, Facebook page, and due to the algorithms, you probably didn't see it. <laughs> and, and But we also did post it on our Twitter page, which uh, the algorithms are, are much more forgiving, and so you might have seen it there. There is a uh, demo of some sorts of the New Yorkers out there on the YouTubes, and it's definitely very much jazz fusion. It's not very metallic at all. I believe it's from the early 80s. Chris Pullen on guitar, uh, Garth Samerson on drums I believe there was uh there was definitely a couple other people in it but you know for the sake of conversation and for the sake of Megadeth pertinency which pertinency I don't think is a word
0: <laughs> sounds like a word to me
1: yeah I just meant <laughs> all words are made up <laughs> that is true if you think about it someone hands to. Yep. yeah <laughs> workers had uh, Gar Samuelson and Chris Poland and then obviously uh, I believe in 84 Gar Samuelson joined Megadeth and he told Dave Mustaine hey I know this sicko guitarist uh, who would be great for us and Chris Poland I don't know I from all intents and purposes I'm not really sure he, uh, how familiar he was with metal <laughs> proficiency of uh, technique in in jazz fusion music and you could certainly say that the, the kind of guitar playing that Mustaine was perpetuating at that time was pretty outrageous and musically adventurous which I could absolutely see being right up the alley of you know jazz fusion sickos which Garth Samuelson and Chris Pullen absolutely were.
0: Exactly and then the, the name the New Yorkers I, I don't know anything about this band I'll put in a clip here for sure we'll find something later. Uh, but but yeah. uh, the name leads me to believe that they were not in that area of the world anymore. Uh, so he, he actually pissed off quite early, <laughs> I guess, to, to the West Coast.
1: I believe he, was, uh, he did it in the late 70s, so he would have been in his early 20s.
0: He was born in...
1: 1957. Mm, yeah, he's quite old. Yeah.
0: A funny old guy is uh, Jens Kiedman of previously mentioned Meshuga, because the, I see mm-hmm. them as a, as a younger band, but he's almost as old as Hetfield. It's like this old yeah. fart and his his look doesn't doesn't it's never changes. It's the same shaved guy. Right. <laughs> getting on stage <laughs> in Hellfest in France and opening with You fucking frog eaters. Not popular. <laughs> not popular. They did not like that
1: joke at all. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I think that could be a bit offensive to some, for sure. Yeah. It sounds like it was offensive. Sounds like in that instance, it was offensive to most. Yeah, to most. Know, so. To
0: most. It was also. It was kind of uncomfortable for me, even. Like, oh, okay. Uh, it's an
1: awkward moment. It's, it's an awkward. Yeah, it's moment It's like the
0: toastmaster at the wedding has a li- midlife crisis and is being an asshole. It
1: was that feeling, like, oh. It's funny because your your face that you just made to display how awkward you felt, it, it actually looked like Meshuggah Face. The Meshuggah Face. And then he stands with his arms, the robot arms. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Meshuggah Cock.
1: Som- I hope you don't have to figure it out the hard way, but someday you might. Destroy, erase, improve. License and registration. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's weird that, um, considering we're talking about ages, if you think about it, like uh, um, by the time Poland... I almost said uh, Chris Chris Pollock there. Uh, by the time Poland, I don't remember. I don't know how old Gar Samus was, but by the time Poland gets into Megadeth, he's. I mean, he's already like twenty-seven years old, twenty-six, twenty-seven <laughs> years old. Wow, which it's very weird to. I mean, if you think about the, the the general age of people playing that kind of music at that point, they're probably between the ages of like sixteen and twenty, sixteen and and like twenty or twenty-two, right. You think it'd be, it, it's, it, it was probably very, very weird to endeavor this new extreme style of music at that age when really, if you think about it, I mean, musicianship, everyone involves to a certain degree, no matter how hard you try to or to not do it. Everyone involves a little bit, but I would imagine the, the the main core of what your influences are are probably set by the time you're 26 or 27, for the most part. Yeah, you know, so to kind of have to reshape that and reframe that to to make the what what you do fit into that, right? I mean, that definitely that that in and of itself takes ability and talent. It does, you know, does. and and high music and high musical IQ, because obviously he was way into you know those type of jazz guitarists. You know, he's probably I mean you could tell by his style he was way into guys like Alan Holdsworth. You know, a lot of legato style playing. He's
0: the household name for for anything just fusion Course. guitar. You know, Yeah, uh, yeah. The other guitarist in in my band studied guitar in L.A. when he was a kid. Yeah, I remember
1: you telling me that. Yeah,
0: he's also one of the older guys. He's over fifty now. He's born in seventy one.
1: Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, if you if you went out to L.A., then he he must be great because you got to swim with the sharks out oh, there yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Stiff competition. <laughs> I think it was called
0: yeah, or something G.I.T. or something. Like oh, that. G.I.T. Yeah.
1: G.I.T. Yeah, there's G.I.T. At one point there was a. I think it's all under the umbrella of MIT, Musicians Institute mm. of Technology. But I think at one point there was even a, a BIT or a KIT. What would BIT like, there was like all sorts of Bass? oh uh, base, uh, uh, base, Institute of Technology or something bass like that. Institute, I think that's I, nerdy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I feel like I saw something. I feel like I saw an ad for that in the early '90s in Guitar World or Guitar Player or something like that. Maybe my brain is just. Has just soaked up too much sun and alcohol in the preceding thirty-five years. Maybe I'm just imagining it, but I feel like
0: there was. We're we're in the middle of late summer as well, so it's it's that time of year. Well, maybe I think it's always that time of year for us, to be honest. But uh, (laughs) he, uh, (laughs) I got along very well with him. He, I found him in like this this ad, you know, in the not in the paper, but on some website, pre- Facebook, and it's like uh, he lived in the same suburb, and uh, I just uh, I didn't know his taste or anything. It was just like convenient. And then he brings yeah. up uh, Adrian Smith, he brings up Marty Friedman. And I mention I like Opus, and he comes in with an Opus solo from Leprefinity on the first lesson. I was like, okay. okay uh, this is my dude. <laughs> this is my dude. Well,
1: I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't also mention he, uh, he plays in a, an original band that's awesome called Sorcerer. Yeah.
0: You know? That's his current main gig. Uh, he used to play in mm-hmm. Therion and not as good a band but definitely a big band so he played a lot over on your end.
1: Oh, I never knew he was in theory, I know that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, no, he, I would I would love to I would love to <laughs> I'm sure he's got some great Snowy Shaw stories. Yeah, we should bring him on this <laughs> show at some point actually, we should. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, he also played in Snowy Shaw for a bit. His, his the solo band, Snowy Shaw.
1: He's an interesting guy just based on promotional f- photos alone. Do you mean
0: Snowy Shaw? <laughs> Yes, I oh, know he's should. awesome. He's awesome. One thing I love <laughs> yeah. that he said was, uh, "He was." I think he he was in a rock rock podden, it's a, the, the big rock and roll podcast here in Sweden, and I think he was in the middle of a breakup or something. So he was very disillusioned, and he was just shitting mm-hmm. on bands like, "Why do you have a logo <laughs> that tells exactly which genre you place? Come on, do your own thing, goddammit! <laughs> 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 and I kind of agree with that. You know, it's it's become a little That's bit fair. of that. Uh, it's become too uh, prevalent in metal that. You see the logo and you know which subgenre this new band is in. It can be
1: cool, but come on. Especially for if you're in like the death metal genre, if you're if you're in one of the extreme genres, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Right, right. You can, I, I mean, you, I mean, you can read death metal. You know, if it's got, a, if it's if it's thorny or it's got a little bit of a drip to it, you know, it's probably death metal. If it's just spiky and angular, it's probably thrash. You know, yeah, if it's yeah, unreadable, me, me, it's more extreme.
0: <laughs> and then it, this kind yeah. of logo, you know, the, my my German beer here, yes. that kind <laughs> of you know Nazi font or old English font. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind. Of, that's I sort actually, of death metal. Or uh, Doom, actually, it's
1: pretty Doom, right? I actually I run into that problem. I run into that problem. With my Motorhead tattoo. Uh huh. Because um, I got some lyrics from uh, well, not really the lyrics, but a line from Burner tattooed on me, and I got ah. umlauts over the uh the O's in it. And I was at a bar. Like, uh, a month ago and, uh, (laughs) it was just, it was just one of the, I mean, dude, how many times have you gone to a bar and just, you just wanted to have a drink and just kind of sit there and you just happen to sit next to the one person who just wants to talk to everyone
0: Probably more common on your side. I've heard that people are very Uh, (laughs) social in public because Swedes are a little bit more like
1: looking away from others. Well, that was the time I needed the bar to be more Swedish, and that was not the time that I got it, unfortunately. Ingmar Bergman's bar. Yeah,
0: I shall inquire. Is there a mister my friend Sergei? First name Olaf. Attention everyone! All of my friends are gay. <laughs> Wait a minute. If I ever get a hold of you, I will thank you for showing me the futility of human endeavor.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was sitting there and the guy just starts talking to me. He goes, Oh, wh- I don't get your tattoo. And I was like, Oh, that's fucking yeah, annoying. I, know. Like, I don't get it. Like, like, and, like, and at this point, I'm it's your thinking, responsibility
0: well, for him to get your oh, tattoo. I,
1: oh, I was like, well, first my thought was like, okay, which one? But then, and then I was like, I was, he's like, I don't get, I don't get why you got the umlauts. That's not in, that's not German. That's English. What, what is that? And I was like, Oh, it's, it's Motorhead. Motorhead. And he goes, Oh, 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 okay, I get it. I get it. Oh, so you like you drive like a Ford or something and I was like I was like I would just no. have
0: replied yes at that point. Yes, yeah, I, I
1: should have <laughs> I I, a Ford. Look, look, looking back considering what 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 was about to happen, looking back in hindsight cuz hindsight is 2020. 20. 20, 20. Looking back, it's still a bit fuzzy. That. Yes. I I should have just said yes. I'm a Ford man. And he was like I was like, "No. No. I was, I was like, the band and he goes, Oh, let like Lemmy? Like like okay. like that Lemmy guy? And I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he and that just that took the off ramp onto a whole another part of the conversation. And then I was just like, oh fuck.
0: As a kid, I thought they would have been maybe Swedish because of the uh we mentioned the Ur uh, before. Pedder, right? Yeah. Now I also remember to mention Pedder, <laughs> which turns out yeah. he's not Finnish. He's actually from fair. Uruguay. The home country of, <laughs> of Martin Mendes and Martin Lopez from Opeth Fame. And the perro perro is of course dog in Spanish. I realized we just added the what do you call them umlauts? umlauts. 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 That's what we call them Umlauts.
1: Here. Yeah. Umlauts. It's umlauts. Probably probably a very American pronunciation. Guy, of it, I'm it's sure. a guy. It's like a Umlauts.
0: But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was Motorhead, you know, Motorhead, and uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, and then I figured uh, that it's
1: that was that was when I learned by way of uh, Motorhead and Motley crew that you could just throw those things. Which are supposed to have an impact on the way things are pronounced, but obviously Motorhead or Motley Crue, it, they just look cool. And yeah. really <laughs> we could throw
0: them in on our show. So far. So <laughs> <hard. So that.
1: laughs> hey, dude, let's let's on it up. I also thought it would be cool if they uh, if uh, if we superimposed our heads upside down on on some of the hanging children that was on the euthanasia cover. <laughs> that would be cool.
0: I bought this T-shirt, by the way. I'm going to show you. Uh, not the listener because you can't see us
1: oh iron fist nice i believe there was a at at that point they were at their what have been i guess their initial like peak popularity because they were coming off of ace of spades after that and um so there was actually like a i think it's available on youtube but like the record label decided to go all in and they made some like ridiculous promotional like almost mini movie where they're I think that photo was a still from that where they have like, you know, the snaggletooth helmets. It's like it's it's the like probably the most unlemmy, the spinal tap metal. It's yeah, yeah it's it's yeah, exactly it's it's so it's maybe as pretentious as they got, you know, which is totally not Lemmy's vibe, you know. So it's it's cool to see that that they had that they had their moments to kind of uh, try and try and I guess ride the wave or the money coming their way, but it definitely does not fit. Fit the vibe, yeah, you know, exactly. for sure.
0: We are going to continue with uh, Mr. Chris Polak, Polak, yes, po- but Poland.
1: <laughs> I knew Chris it. Poland, told you, but I have one, told I have you it one more
0: motorhead thing because I knew we it. went to Gothenburg the other week to see Maiden. And I told my friends on the way down, like, I don't know why, but I want to I wanna run into Mickey D today, drummer of uh, Motorhead uh, King Diamond, uh, now in Scorpions, uh, probably Sweden's biggest name in metal drumming, I would say. Do you
1: know who else he's played with? Uh, Don Dukin. He played with Dukin. There we go. He played with Dukin. There it so is. I don't know, but yes, I don't his, know him personally. His re- his resume is pretty unstoppable. Yeah, yeah and his playing is very <laughs> unstoppable. I don't know him personally, but
0: I just felt like he's Mr. Metal in Gothenburg. He has to go to Maiden for sure. And then actually on the way yeah. out, there were 61,000 people attending. So it was, you know, a bit. <sighs> A bit of a march there, you know, marching out, yeah. and, uh, and on the way out, exactly when we pass the backstage entrance, it opens for a, a limo to go in, and who stands there? Mickey D. Dude, standing right there. I was telling,
1: I was telling my friend Matt, and I was like, "Dude, they- these guys got it made over yeah, there." Yeah, well, I he's couldn't like, go every- in there. I would have been, like, I would I have been, like, you know, securityed
0: like <laughs> out. But I could actually see him. He was standing with two blondes, a glass of
1: champagne, and a limo. I mean, that's that's what you want to see. I was like, that's that's how that's how us Americans live it. You guys just hang out in Gothenburg and see killer bands. Yeah, yeah, and like, the thing is <laughs> and and every and everyone in a great Swedish band or Swedish musician is there. Like you did you really run into the dude from Niflheim? Uh, yeah, and I,
0: I realized like uh, <laughs> my my friends play with him. I didn't know he was singing in Dead Cosmonaut with uh, with uh, Matthias and, and Henrik. Uh, uh,
1: is that the correct pronunciation of the name? I never realized I never knew if I said Niflheim. it. Yeah, Niflheim? Uh, Niflheim. Niflheim. It's, okay. It's, okay. It's, that's also okay. like
0: a sort of a German, I guess. Heim is home, you know. Yes. And it's from from the Nordic um, um, Asa mythology, I think. Niflheim is sort of the bad place, I think. It's been a while since I brushed up my Ancient mythology. <laughs> but those guys are I, legends. Uh, Pelle and um Oh, Ierik. yeah. Uh, they are known in Sweden because uh, our biggest... Uh, they're the
1: biggest Iron Maiden fans, right? The
0: biggest Maiden fans. And our biggest uh, yeah. state TV uh, made this doc- mini documentary on the the Hard Rock Brothers, where they went to visit them. That's in, awesome. In, out in the sticks where they live. And, and you know, it's just... I, I remember seeing that and thinking, these guys are nerds, but they are
1: fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: these are these, the coolest nerds. That,
1: that band... They're a band that I always like I've only ever heard I've heard maybe five songs or less and I've always because of those guys, I've always wanted to investigate more because they're so they're so diehard, but I always forget. So this is a good reminder. Yeah. I think I saw some some interview they did one time, because obviously they're they're kind of known for 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 fighting male pattern baldness and i think one of them said well fighting or celebrating perhaps well so i think oh yeah there's exactly. no uh, you well, know well, there's no we, there's...
0: we mentioned scorpions there's no matthias jabs cap right. solution <laughs> yes of course the laziest solution think... to pattern baldness is the cap matthias jabs yes. and uh, lars ulrich
1: yes that's right and i think that one of them said if there's one hair left on my head it's going to be long and I was like, I fucking love that. Fucking incredible. I fucking love that. I heard another, I another that.
0: quote now from, <laughs> uh, from uh, Matthias. Uh, the brother that is not in his band, they went to buy food, groceries. And he bought this really, really cheap line that we have called El Dorado. Crap stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, I don't want to get my body used to too much nutrition. <laughs> like, those guys are just the OGs, you know, and, and, the, and that little segment on, on SVT. <laughs> Uh, they, they are presenting their car and it's like a Pontiac with fire flames on it can it be more metal? the answer is no this is a really hard rock car more metal it can almost be a black Pontiac with a head I
1: mean this is how it looks if you are a really hard rocker the one he just—he looks like Carrie King's nail armband. Oh yeah, yeah. But only, only he, only he wears it all over him. Right. He's just completely clad in
0: nails. Pre 9/11, <laughs> so they could travel with extra spiked bracelets, you know. And, uh, and the, the last thing from that, and then we will return to the topic of today. But the last thing is also yes. an awesome scene in that little documentary is when he says. Other people, you know, he has this heavy hick accent as well, which is lovely. And it's like, other people, they just put on music in the background and then they do the dishes or something. When I put on my music, I only listen to it. And then I think I can claim I listen to better music. And he throws on a peace of mind. (laughs) And they just sit there alone in their shitty apartment, headbanging with what little hair they have left and
1: and, uh, drumming on their legs. That's love. I fucking. That's metal love. I love it, dude. It's it's you know what? It's, it's not my life, but I'm glad that it's the life for someone. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're an advocate for that life, uh, even though you're not living. I'm 110 percent an advocate for that life. Yeah, absolutely. Ja, jag sätter inte på en skiva i bakgrunden, så utan när jag väl lyssnar på skiva så
0: sätter jag på den så sätter jag mig ner och lyssnar på den ordentligt och då har jag väl rätt uttalande om att
1: musik som jag lyssnar på. Better also.
0: Actually, never really, I think, uh, never met uh, a North American which, with as much scope as you have on, on Swedish uh, metal culture, I don't think. I,
1: I'm My friend. My friend over here, Matt, he's probably the only one that I he's like, he's the one I talked to over here about about stuff. like he was the one who was like I said, he I've, I've talked to you about him before. He was the one who was like he was years ahead of everyone else over here. Like he knew about like he knew about all the Swano stuff, all of his side projects, all that's like he was he was the one who would just he would get the Century Media catalog and just like kind of go through it and like just you know order shit like he was like he was he was the guy who was way ahead of the rest of us over here like he just had he was just all in on that stuff before anyone else so he's he would he would probably i mean a lot of the scope i have on it, it he's kind of at the root of it but obviously i've kind of salutes you know, to him because yeah,
0: of same skull to him
1: oh absolutely yeah, short to yeah tell. absolutely Oh yeah, absolutely. He 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 checked out the podcast. He likes your "Here I Come Again." Oh yeah, that was like a, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. even I
0: like my "Here I Come Agains." Yes, but uh, I'm gonna save him for a bit. I'm not gonna do one now. Yeah, say the line, John. Yeah. Say the line. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna do it. You gotta leave him wanting more. But uh, what I am gonna do is I'm gonna revert. That's probably not a word, uh, but uh, divert. But uh, revert. Uh, I don't know. Yes, back to, back back to back to the to topic your of hand. Yeah, back to the states.
1: Yes. Chris Poland. Before I don't he I don't believe he played on the Last Rice demo, but obviously as we know he has uh, graced the uh, first record. Killing is my business and business is good. Um, mm-hmm. He actually did not tour with the band mm-hmm. to support it though. He he had. Uh, uh- <laughs> As I'm, as I'm sure you'll be stunned to hear, both you, John, and you, the listener, um, he had a bit of a falling out with El Capitan, uh, <laughs> Dave Dave Mustaine. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, they, it turns out they're fucking claw. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> they uh, they had a propensity to um, to fist fight each other, and eventually that just kind of uh, played itself out, and uh, so. Uh, as as a result, uh, Mr. Poland did not participate in the "Killing Is My Business" tour, which I believe uh, Megadeth did with Exciter from Canada.
2: Mm-hmm, okay.
1: By the time that tour was over, you know, Mustaine, he even though him and Chris Poland would fistfight each other, he was so enamored with his guitar playing that he asked him back, and so obviously he came back and. Uh it was back in time for P Cells, uh the recording of that record and uh all subsequent touring before he was uh then again ejected from the band in nineteen eighty seven with Gar Hamilton. Right. Uh when they were in you know the throes of probably the the, the the worst parts of their heroin addiction. But yeah, so Chris bails, Chris gets thrown out, Chris comes back, Chris leaves. Chris Chris does a lot of departing in this episode.
0: Chris is all over the place. <laughs>
1: yes yes but you know what he was it's it says a lot to his um um i think mm, i don't know i I think that out of all the lead guitarists megadeth has had i think that the one who had the most impact on the sound of the band was marty friedman but i think the one who was the most unique lead player was chris poland
0: yeah i would Um, i would say that i think Uh, Chris Poland had a lot of influence on the sound of the band, but Mark Friedman had more influence on the composition.
1: Yes, th- th- yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think as far as the actual composition and the songwriting is concerned, well, even if you just take it at face value from like songwriting credits, like Chris Polan has no credits. No, yeah. he gets no publishing. That's why for it's me. very I exciting that
0: uh, Kiko yes. wrote eight tunes or whatever you said. Uh, yes, co-wrote
1: eight tunes. Well, actually, you know, I, I since we've done that episode, I found out that I think that it, it, he, it's not eight because I believe uh, Dirk wrote two as well. Oh, cool! I found cool. this out. Yeah,
0: you can tell that Dave is very comfortable with those two guys, much more than his old friend Junior for sure.
1: Yes, well, yeah. With with an already strained relationship,
0: this was it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Already strained? You you hate the guy? I don't know. (laughs) I mean... He won't even say. He won't even say his name in an interview. It's, and that, that's, that's bad. bad you know, but they're like they're they're old. They're like old women at this point. You know? yeah. They're just old, old old bitchy women at the retirement community complaining about you know he took he took an extra pancake at the breakfast you know yeah, or
0: whatever. Well, you well, know? Just to, to just summarize that whole thing, I'm glad uh, I I grew up with a a good dad, unlike Dave Mustaine did. I think it's well, harder. Yeah, to I f- mean, I think it's way harder to to form good uh, relationships with with guys if you don't. But you know, I would yeah. I wouldn't know, but I've seen that pattern even you know around. In yeah, I think it's yeah. harder to do. So I think he's he's struggling a bit with that.
1: Once you once you get to know Mustaine's backstory, it, a lot of the 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 stuff that he's done and a lot of the reasons to why he is the way he is, it makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. You know. It makes sense. So, which which is sad. It's sad to hear the kids have to go through stuff like that always. But you know, at some point, you know, you're you're a grown ass man. You know, so <laughs> <Yeah. it's like laughs> or, or or you realize
0: you should be, or should at least you know yeah, you strive to yeah, yeah, yeah. strive
1: to come closer to it. I guess you know. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, which I mean, I, I I wouldn't even. I mean, it's you know, we got laughs and we got jokes about that all the time. But you know, obviously, he has probably. I mean, I I would assume, um. I mean I would assume he's probably much better off than he was in nineteen eighty eight. I think so too you know? I do so not yeah. <laughs> uh, I d I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's driving his car into unmarked uh, police vehicles and then trying to flee the scene. You or, know?
0: or or refer, think... referring to his own face as the uh the of goods.
1: Well, well, here's the thing though, that, that happened in the two thousands, so that's oh. not a th- <laughs> 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 this happened what? in the this, yes, this I, I, I must not have mentioned. Uh-oh, was that. mentioning way back? No, they were on tour in America, and uh-huh. they got to the border, and everyone was asleep, and they woke. They started waking people up because obviously the customs agents come on and they check everyone over, and Mustaine just had like a bunch of, I guess I'll say medication. You know, you're supposed to have your, your prescriptions and your doctor's stuff all ready to go to show the border agents. Yeah. Mustaine yeah. had misplaced all of that, and fucking, and they were like the tour manager was freaking out because they're at the border, and they were like, "No, this is not good. You, yeah, it's okay that you have this stuff, but like you need to be able to substantiate it by way of your prescriptions. Yeah. Where are your prescriptions? You should have this right. in order." And he said. Mustaine looked at the tour manager and said, here's my prescription. And he goes like this.
0: His face. His face, his face, his face, his face.
1: was his uh-huh. prescription. And I was like, oh, God.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> I understand how he thinks, but it just it's, it's, that's
1: not that's not how the world <laughs> yeah, that's works. That's not really. how the world works, especially at the border of countries. <laughs> call,
0: call back to me becoming the president in, in your country.
1: Yeah. That's not how the world <laughs> that's works. That's not how the world works. <laughs> I believe when it was told to me, it was prefaced that this had happened within like the prior three or four years. Huh, wow! So that, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's mind-boggling now. Like I have to reset my whole <laughs> mental state now. Like um, the world changed with yeah. this
1: news. Ah, wow! But also, that when I was, what are you doing, Dave? T- <laughs> what are you doing to, to to toss back to that same episode, the the docking cop episode? Yeah. Uh, when I I remember when I was when I would have some downtime on that tour and I would, we would all kind of sit Tom Araya's brother down and just ask, yeah, John Uriah. We would just ask him stories about, you know, like, Oh man, what was it like back in the day? And he would tell stories about like hanging out at the Exodus house and like stuff like that. And, you know, he said that like the reason Mustaine always got away with being the way Mustaine is, is because he was so good. Like at guitar. Mm -hmm. Like I remember like he, he said he was at a party at like the Exodus house or something, and Mustaine just showed up and all of a sudden it was just like uh-huh. like a golden god uh-huh. entered the room. And this is back when Dave Mustaine was like, This we're we're talking like this is nineteen eighty four. Right. He's as far as like ninety eight percent of the world is concerned, they have no fucking idea who this is. But he was such a big deal in the Bay Area of the United States and California that it was just like he said that, like, Mustaine would walk in the room and just be like, "What's up, you fucking piece of shit!" <laughs> like, and everyone, and like, and people would just accept and love the fact that they even got acknowledged by him. <laughs> you know, and so like,
0: I'm not sure you have anything on this, but um, the background of uh, Chris, uh, do you have anything on that? Like,
1: mm-hmm. uh, oh no, I, that there's really not. Um, this is early life, you know well I mean he's the, the town he's from Dunkirk um, it's a really really small town it's kind of on the lake that's kind of where people go to you know get cottages and vacation during the summertime so I did that a, a few times when I was younger so you know Dunkirk is, is a really small town really kind of uh I don't know I, I haven't been there in a while but yeah just a small town nothing really not a lot going on there pretty quiet I can absolutely see why he after starting to play guitar and playing bands was like, nothing is going to fucking happen here. I got to relocate. You know? yeah. <laughs> I have to, I have to go to literally the exact opposite side of the country and the exact opposite type of place. He didn't, which have, you know, he didn't have a twin to fight pattern boldness with. Yes, basically. that's right. Yes. He did not have someone to sit in the living room and just headbang to peace of mind. Best clip ever. <laughs> I feel like his, his lead voice even though he didn't really contribute to anything uh, compositionally, you know, songwise or or whatever, I feel like his the way he soloed was so unique, especially for that genre at the time. That I feel like it, it had a, a huge impact just from, you know, he had a huge impact on the songs, even if he wasn't writing them, because his style was so unique. Any solos kind of jump off. The page for you, as far as what he contributed on those first two records, anything you dig? Uh, the first
0: thing was those little fills in P-Cells uh, that I'm not really crazy about. I find them a little bit uh, hokey, you know, <laughs> still to this day. But of course, I love P-Cells' the song, so I've come to love him. But uh, as I got mm-hmm. older, you know, as I get got better at guitar myself, that's when I could tell. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't jump out at me as a kid. As a kid, uh, yeah. maybe someone like uh, Dave Murray would jump out much more, because it's, it's right. not as theoretical or as cerebral i guess you know it's more mm-hmm. uh, he's just playing uh, but yeah. but now mm-hmm. like uh, since a few years i can tell that he's a great guitarist and we've already mentioned on this show that he must and i would capitalize must have been the best guitarist of the big 4
1: oh uh, yeah he was he was the first virtuoso lead guitarist of that scene yeah. in my opinion because he was just coming from, a, he was he came from a totally different, well, he was older. Yeah. He was like seven years older than everyone else in that scene, yeah. if you think about it, roughly, yeah. you know, give or take a few years. And then, but.
0: Uh, you know, you could um, uh, time jump a little bit, and I would say that I'm a, quite, quite a big fan of um, System Has Failed as well. And I think, uh, mm-hmm. I've heard it was supposed to be a Dave Solo record or something, which is basically Megadeth. Uh, but I think yeah. it became more Megadeth because of that. And maybe that was a decision uh, partly yeah. uh, with that in mind. You know, you just yeah. we're gonna put the logo on. Let's bring in at least
1: one yeah household member. You know? It makes sense, and also that that's actually gonna kind of tie itself into something else. I'm gonna bring up as well yeah, too. So far, we but, only um,
0: listened to. I'm saying we because um, you know, for momentum, we don't play the clips uh, as we record, but uh, we've listened to right. New Yorkers. Uh, we'll pick a good song <laughs> from that. Is there anything more that should be featured uh, in like to represent his pre-Megadeth?
1: I that that's really all I know of. Okay. That's all I'm privy to is the New Yorker stuff. You get one song as, far far as one song that you can handle. <laughs> as far as his Megadeth stuff is concerned, which uh, the debut, uh, you know, he I his solo on the title track is great. Um, but I, I honestly I think his moment on that record is these boots, which obviously people can I know you're you're not particularly crazy about well, that I like song it more but now
0: I, after we featured it and that's yeah. because of that solo uh,
1: yeah know. i think that he's both him and gar really enabled me to enjoy that that kind of tongue-in-cheek silliness because the musicality they presented is so lethal and like deathly yeah. serious yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like i
0: know
2: exactly like what you mean, don't
1: yeah. you don't play like that unless you're you're a, a slave to the craft right and um I feel like his, his, Poland specifically, his leads on that is awesome. But my favorite Chris Poland Megadeth solo is in Good Morning Black Friday. Um, The main lead in the fast part he does is, to me, it is, if you want to talk about just perfect lead construction, it's like, it's there. Because he doesn't just come right in and just like, blow the doors off the place and like blow the building up like right away. Like he builds to it. It's it's almost kind of in a way I mean it's it's way cleaner and it's way quote better played. I think you're nodding your head. I think you already know where I'm going with this. It's almost like Yannick in a way, where it's like it's kind of like a it kind of builds itself up to it and then the hose unpinches and then like just notes explode out. His is a much more controlled uh, cleaner version of that, and like halfway through that Black Friday solo, it just like he comes unglued and he just explodes with these this flurry of notes, and then kind of pulls it back to kind of take itself out. Is hey, that Also, don't forget, turn me loose. It's <laughs> <laughs> completely unrelenting. Yeah. and you could totally tell, like he, because we had mentioned in, in the killing episode, you know, he had that injury when he was a kid where he tore that tendon, and it. And I think I even sent you a video where you could tell that he's got this fucking crazy looking pinky finger that just the way the way it sits and the way it lands on the fretboard just naturally, like my pinky. When you can't see this, whoever's listening, but Johnny, you can. Like, you could see my, my pinky falls like this. His pinky naturally like falls like that. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like so, and it, it's this crazy shit that like, and I think that like that kind of weirdness, R- Mustaine really really likes because it, it almost like it's it's so freaky that like he he has a a, a physical, not limitation, but like a a physical. Amendment, amendment that makes the shit he uh physically the, the shit that he plays like really unless you have a similar affliction it probably almost impossible unless you unless you you drop the the right hand on the fretboard right right you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah. unless you turn into a tap run like he's probably hitting notes with a stretch that like you and me or anyone else probably can't hit you know okay that, and that I makes think me think that's of awesome. uh,
0: matthias iaklund as well from free kitchen here in sweden apparently in his mm-hmm. teens he was a big uh, morbid angel fan and for some reason, he equated, uh, well, you should be, anyone should be, I was too, but uh, he equated something about them with um, uh, a ritual that he created, which was jumping through a glass window. I don't know how he could have <laughs> drawn that conclusion, that I, I like morbid angels, so I should jump to, through a glass window. But that he did, and apparently he cut his hand up, and when it healed, the, uh, what's the word, the fingertips? Uh, calluses? calluses. Uh, yeah, when they healed, yeah. they were quite strong. So he said that that was a huge part of his play <laughs> That he could actually, you know, bend, well, bend and tap with a, with a much stronger hit after jumping through a glass window and cutting
1: them up. Well, I know Trey used to cut himself on stage. Ah, I guess maybe why. that was that's his influence. probably why, yeah. <laughs> I knew a guy who saw Morbid Angel on the Altars of Madness tour here in Buffalo, and he said, maybe it was around that era, I don't remember if it was this exact show, but like to me it was like fucking disgusting. They were like, yeah, cutting Trey, on stage, like... Yeah. He, he held his arm out and he cut himself and just started bleeding. And people were like holding like their mouths open like underneath. And I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding? Like oh. he told it to me, like, uh, the, like this awesome thing. And I was like, oh, no. no. <laughs> uh, the
0: closest I got to that was feeling my drummers <laughs> no. uh, upside down China with beer once.
1: Yeah, I would. And he I was about to leave his a-
0: drum throne. Like, who did this? And I'm turning to yeah. him. It was me. And then you can see I'm, in his face, like he's still super pissed. But he
1: realizes he right. can't
0: uh, vengeance. He can't do any vengeance here.
1: <laughs> I am. I am drinking beer out of a drum ten times out of ten before I drink blood out of Trey Azicto's <laughs> arm once Definitely. out of ten times. Uh, yeah, I, I, give, give me give me tom beer tom anytime. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like in those videos in the
0: eighties when they used to put some some uh, water on the symbols and then uh, slow motion it.
1: Oh yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the eighties. I think that might have happened in a Pantera video in the nineties. Oh no, it was a fire. And now I'm yeah, yeah right. it would yeah, yeah fire. Go. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, so whatever. So, uh, but um, another influence, uh uh well actually um we'll touch on this too. Obviously after P Cell's touring cycle uh ends, uh, he's dispatched with Gar. Uh Chris actually uh influenced the song on So Far So Good, So What? Mm. Mm-hmm. As well. Uh, He was the lyrical inspiration for the song Liar,
0: (laughs) (laughs) which... uh, Fast forward to um, um, 2002. um, uh, What is it? The System Has (laughs) Failed and the song... uh,
1: What is that song? Uh, Something That I'm Not, which is about (laughs) Lars. Yeah, yeah. You didn't create metal, buddy. Metal made you. (laughs) Well,
0: I don't know what's bad with that. you You, You don't have to create metal. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, back on topic. But yes, he influenced uh, the our, song. Our so far, so our, so, pod, so pod. So what? Yes. He did not. But, so <laughs> far, so good. So what? Uh, liar. Yes. Was he a liar? Yes. F- what do you think?
1: Our our fearless uh, leader slash uh, general narrator uh, said some very mean things about Mister Poland, and it's. I awesome. think he was a liar. <laughs> um. What? What I is mean, even a liar? I Everyone lies I, sometimes. I, I think in that. I think in that instance, it's probably uh, taking one to no one. Hmm. I mean, it's it's well known that him and Gar were were pawning bands gear for uh, for drug money, but um, you know, I mean, it's you know when you got Mustaine, you know, you kind of calling to you up or something like that. It'd be like it'd be like me giving someone like dietary advice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you gotta you gotta know your place in life. Maybe don't be a heroin addict and then talk shit about other heroin addicts for being heroin addicts, you know. <laughs> David Stane should not be calling people out for being addicted to heroin and being shitty. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> Especially not then, you know? Especially not then. Right. Especially not then. But uh, so far, so good. So what comes out in 1988? That lineup lasts even less than the the prior one. And then, sure enough...
0: I remember from that one uh, that he said that he, had, he auditioned a guitarist, and then that guitarist referenced his, his teacher... And he said he cut out the middleman and hired the teacher.
1: Uh, yes. the 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 initial guitarist they hired to replace Chris Pullen was Jay Reynolds, who was in an LA band called Malice at the time. They had a couple of records out, I think, on Atlantic or Capitol. Um, I was never crazy in them, but they're kind of like just kind of orthodox, you know, maybe priesty heavy metal. Not terrible, fun to listen to, crank beers too. But um, yes, that was that that was what happened. They said, Oh yeah, I'm gonna give it to my teacher, and the teacher was Jeff Young. Okay. And they were just like, Well we'll 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 just do that. And yeah. uh, in,
0: in typical uh, exe- executive Mustaine fashion, I'm just gonna hire the yeah. teacher then. You know? It's, yes, it's exactly pretty good thinking actually. Yeah, it, yeah. In a way. It's it's inconsiderate, I guess, ill considerate or something, but it's also a little bit uh, executive to
1: do that. In the grand scheme of things, I think Mustaine is a is a man who is driven by results and I think that it might have been better for the mentality of the band to hire a heavy metal guitarist, but instead he hired someone who was probably better, but maybe not so much a a heavy metal guitarist. Jeff Young was very much like a a hard rock guitarist. He was not like a thrash metal or a heavy metal guy. He could play that stuff, clearly, but he was not like... His hair was too nice. His hair was too nice. He was in the band in that era where uh, there's that incredibly... Coked up Dave Ellison where they're hanging out with Guns and Roses oh, at the Rainbow that's, and Alex. <laughs> great. That, that's Ellefson adorable. Just,
0: I, I find that adorable. You know, he's, he's just Ellefson is
1: just out of his mind. He is just like completely. <laughs> I mean, holy hell. I mean, that dude just basically, he might as well just have a straw hanging out of his nose in that fucking video. Good Lord. He is just coked out. One of your new bands, right? You're playing this Thursday at the Cat House, the infamous Cat House. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. Dr. Love and Love Connect. Dr. Love. <laughs> call the doctor, all right? He'll be in, all right? You know, take two, call him in the morning, okay? Yo. So, uh,
2: what do you guys been up to recently? Um, just new song. There, um, new
1: there you have um, it, right there, okay? The me- me- some mega nice Roses, okay? And Guns and, and, and Death, like whatever, whatever. What do you say,
2: Dave? What up? Anarchy in L.A. Woo!
1: But, yeah, obviously that lineup didn't last, and so, sure enough, uh... When it comes time to do Rust in Peace demos, David gets a hold of his old pal Chris again and says, hey, why don't you come on down? But there's a few interesting off-ramps before that. So, um, oddly enough, as uh, Chris Polin has said in interviews, after he is dispatched uh, by Mustaine from Megadeth... Well, there's no tour money coming in and there's no publishing to speak of since he co-wrote none of the songs. So he was uh, working at a Denny's, which is a, a restaurant over here just kind of cleaning dishes. Yeah,
0: a famous name. And, that one. Uh, you hear it yeah, even here. You hear yeah.
1: And he's, he said he would be working dishes over, uh, cleaning dishes, and he would see fucking people in like Megadeth jackets. And they're like, are you Chris Poland? And like all that shit. And so eventually, you know, I think by way of uh, the manager he was working with or knew at the time, he ended up getting a gig playing bass for legendary uh, California punk band, Circle Jerks. Right. Um, bass and, too, yeah. And which is, yeah, played bass. But uh, for all intents and purposes, every I think I read an interview Poland did. He said he loved it. Had a, he had a really great time, and honestly, I mean, I, I Circle Jerks are one of those bands. That, like, I'm not like, I'm not like a huge fan, but like, I think I would have a blast playing in that band too. I would play played bass in Circle Jokes before I played guitar in Manowar, like ten times out of ten.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. It's the only, actually, the only band that we have very different opinions on is Manowar. I keep forgetting too. I listen to a song it's like, oh, I'm gonna just yeah. paste the link to Greg. Oh shit, yeah, he hates their guts, <laughs> because I really like that band. But I mean, the thing is, uh, not to get stuck on Manowar because we shouldn't. Uh, we really shouldn't. We're, we're, we, I mean, we're the appropriate duo for discussing all things hard rock and heavy metal, except for that band. But uh, uh, you know, I, I found them absolutely ridiculous for you know the first ten years of me being into metal. So I mean, it's not hard to see why. Uh, but I guess it's for me that I don't know something about the ridic- ridiculous nature of the band made it more metal to me, and I think that's a big th- mm-hmm. thing for them. You know, it's like, a, is this a joke? I don't know. They play pretty well, you know, etc. and so on.
1: But uh, They write they write great songs that are played better by other people covering it, like Edge of Sanity.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. Three sons have I, <laughs> and they ride yeah. by my yeah. side. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was going to say, on, but, um, on topic, yeah, I was so going to say he, that uh, yeah. you, uh, you mentioned before the playful nature that you can get into as a versed musician. And I think playing bass in Circle mm-hmm. Jerks is also a great example of that that when you get good enough you can downgrade in ambition and still be the same musician in a way and that's one of the best things I think Yeah I guess you're not out to prove that you can play. You know that you can play mm-hmm. and you're having fun. Yeah I joined this uh, death punk band with Swedish lyrics. uh, To play uh, lead guitar in that band was, yeah, way fun. Uh, One of my more fun experiences. on stage having fun and uh, you know just uh, enjoying it you know
1: yeah well i posted a video on our uh, twitter page of a video i found of uh, of a gig he played while he was <laughs> in circle jerks and um i, I you know what I, I honestly think that megadeth the megadeth experience is probably an eye-opener for him because obviously Mustaine at that point was probably listening to a lot of punk rock hop naturally i mean we've He's obviously been a big proponent of bands like Fear and Dead Kennedys and a lot of that old school punk. And I'm sure Poland was probably exposed to bands like Circle Jerks. And, you know, I think it's cool that because at that point we're talking about someone who's 30 years old. He's 31 years Four old and he's old like, you know and, what?
0: And, and can play Jazz Fusion at that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And can play Jazz Fusion. he's like, you know, fuck it. I'll, pl- I'll go do... Uh, I am going to play. Uh, I am going to spend the next year of my life on tour playing bass for Circle Jerks. I am thirty one years old. Fuck it. And I guess they were supposed to record a live record. He never made it on any uh, records, studio records, with Circle Jerks. But I think there was um, a live recording or intentions to, to put out a live record, but it was never released. So he just ended up doing uh, touring with Circle Jerks in eighty nine. And then after that, he was invited to come back to Megadeth and ended up playing on demos for Peace Cell's record, which actually was Uh, released on the... Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, Rust in Peace. Yes. Good call. Good catch. Um, Yes, and he was brought back to play uh, play solos on the Rust in Peace album uh, for the demos, which, uh, unfortunately, I mean, I will never, ever advertise uh, purchasing the 2004s, um, but... There's, there's enough extra stuff on the 2004 reissues and remasters and re recordings or remixes or whatever that, that make it worth a buy. And uh, he does some killer stuff on the demos. I think he plays demos on, well, at least the, I don't know if he did demos or recordings of all the songs, but I know he did demo leads on Rust in Peace Polaris. <laughs> Take no prisoners. not write down on my piece of paper what the other song was. Three demos and Rust and Peace.
0: It's cool that you can hear them as well, you know. Because in most cases, yes. like uh, let's say yes. uh, Heaven and Hell, uh, Children of the Sea with Ozzy or something, can't hear that. Not mm-hmm. not available. It would have been no interesting to, I guess, everyone listening right now to hear uh, like an early adaptation of uh, Children of the Sea with with Ozzy. That must have been that must be like change, you know, mind-boggling. Changing the history of metal but, uh, temporarily as you listen,
1: you know, as you listen. <laughs> yeah. Creating an alternate timeline. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, Yeah. Um, but I think at that point, um, I believe when he was back in the fold and was given the offer to come back to Megadeth, he had gotten clean, uh, Chris Poland, that is, and he had also received a solo offer, or an offer to be solo artist with Enigma Records.
0: Okay.
1: And I think at that point his management had said, well you have this offer on the table with Enigma to do whatever you want and you also have this offer to go back in the band and play by Dave's fiddle and and play with the guy who fired you and called you a liar in a song and called you a liar in a a song motherfucked you in front of millions of people for (laughs) two years and also, oh and by the way the the drugs that you no longer do he is still struggling with and (laughs) by the way small, small, a little detail <laughs> yeah, so, here for you small detail and I think <laughs> from what from what I've read Chris Boland I think had the opinion of well if I go back to this it's possibility I might die um right. so he eventually just uh, he decided to decline the offer to rejoin Megadeth and he did he uh took the contract as a solo artist with are we the in the late records. 80s now or where are we uh we're uh 1990 he okay, okay. uh uh Released uh, "Return to Metalopolis" um, on Enigma Records in 1990. Uh, it was produced by Randy Burns, who had reper- who had uh, produced uh, P Cells, and um, basically it was recorded as a two piece. It was just recorded uh, Chris Polan on guitars and bass, and Chris's brother uh, Mark Polan on drums. I'm not a big instrumental guitar record guy, um, but I do own *Return to Metalopolis* and it is awesome. Cool, well, I have to check
0: it out. I'm a big instrumental music guy, but as you, I'm not a big instrumental guitar music guy. Not really. I mean, I never really, you know, worshipped surfing with the Alien* or
1: something like that. I never really did. You know? Well, I I I don't own that stuff because, like, I. I don't know why I don't own that, because it, cassette, Cassash is awesome, you know, but I just, for whatever reason, I just, I I never got into that genre. I have, like, maybe, I'm trying to think of, like, as far as, like, instrumental, like, solo guitar records I have, I might only have... I don't know, do Ingvei records count or no? Is there anything? Kind of si- yeah, because cause it, cause dr- it, the drums are it. so
0: boring and that makes it count I guess as a guitar. But the, but
1: there's singing but there's a lot of singing on those records too though. It's almost yeah, it like is, split, right? Yeah, I, you know, you know what it's then? It's still I only ship, hit- actually. It is. I have to say, like, uh, I, I'm yeah. not very
0: versed in my countrymate there. I don't know much about his music. I think Black Star is the only good song I've heard, uh, you know, song wise. But uh, I will have to go back and check it out before I make any bold claims on on his records. Uh, there might be some gold in there. I know. I know. He's not fond of donuts. Not at all. And see you in Tokyo, bitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you released what? the fucking you story. Released the fu- you released <laughs> the fucking story.
0: That's almost uh, you know as metal as uh, Newfoundland Brothers. Get the fucking thing
2: out of my
0: fucking way. No, I don't eat donuts. You don't
2: eat donuts? First. I don't fucking eat
0: donuts. Oh, excuse me. I'm getting it. Get it. Right it. Now. At least Get it. I I like Get it. Get it. Get fucking Get
2: it. it. Look at me. We Excuse me. me. This shit. It. I don't fucking deserve this shit. I paid for a first class ticket. I don't need a fucking cunt come up to me and touch this, this bitch no, comes just... and just fucking pours all this water on us. Oh, What's oh, a war? Give her a fucking war. I killed, fucking I killed yeah, that fucking mother. mother. I killed that motherfucker. I found fuck the white fucking bullshit. You fucking come on. Come on. Where's the water? i to right You jab. release the
0: fucking fury. You release the fucking fury. See you, Tokyo, bitch.
1: I think a lot of it is just a front and an attitude. Yeah, it was
0: so much of yeah. it that I didn't realize how good he was until way late in my life. When it's like, okay, well, re- it's- take aside all the attitude and all the yes. The- i don't know sometimes porsches and rolexes and all that (laughs) shit. take that aside yeah okay he's he's a legendary guitar player
1: He walked past my friend's kid brother who wanted an autograph. Just blew him right off. I think it might have been after a gig, my friend and his little, his kid brother who might have been like, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old at the time, they waited out by the bus and Ingve just blew them both off splocked right on the fucking bus and so <laughs> if i remember correctly they just they just spit all over his bus <laughs> like they, they didn't know what to do at that point so they just started hawking loogies on his bus you know it's kind of that. a dick i, I can you see know,
0: that. Yeah. yeah you gotta have you know, get regain your self-respect some way and yeah on a bus exactly is, it's not the worst i've heard in terms of it regaining fit. self-respect
1: yeah, I know well I know someone that once rear ended Crocus' tour bus. That's a whole different story. It
0: oh urinated up, uh,
1: Or Oh no, rear-ended them as in hit them hit hit the tour bus and on purpose with their car. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's the next level shit. I thought they <laughs> yeah, peed it is on Yeah, that would have been, you know, kind of okay, I guess. Unfortunately it doesn't involve me, but if it did, it would be probably docking and cop level entertaining. It would, it would <laughs> you know, stay tuned. But um yeah, stay tuned. So um so yes, yeah, so he does return to Metalopolis, and getting back to what I was saying, I think I only only I think I only own two, um, off the top of my head, I might not be I might not be a hundred percent accurate, but I think I only own two instrumental guitar records, and their Return to Metalopolis by Chris Poland and Passion and Warfare by Steve Vai.
0: Mm.
1: I, I have think one
0: Steve Vai album as well. It's uh sex and religion but that's quite
1: songy record well that's Devin Townsend's the singer on that that's why I have it because I was big into him in high school that's basically a band record I think as far as the uh, Passion and Warfare is concerned the vocals are mostly just limited to David Coverdale saying we may be human but we're still animals that's really it I think well that's true Dave yeah But um yeah, so Return to Metalopolis comes out on Enigma Records, nineteen ninety. What's great about Return to Metalopolis is it, I think. Well, I think he's even verbalized this, but you can kind of hear it too. You could tell that he he had some stuff in the hopper that he was that he probably had for Megadeth, because some of the way he plays the riffs, you could definitely hear it fitting in with that kind of era of Mustaine weird. Kind of like techno, technical style riffing, and there's a lot of the fills that he does, you know, you can hear it, but um, I think the song I'm looking for is Row of Crows. There. I feel like the style he has is so lyrical, like his lead style, it, it lends itself very well to like kind of vocal phrasings in a way. We have
0: a great guitarist here in Sweden, uh, Jojo Vadenius, he's most famous for um, an album of um, kids tunes that he did, but he was also in uh, made in Sweden uh, back in the day, like a 70s prog rock band, and he said once that uh, his way of getting good at guitar it was to always be able to sing uh, simultaneously as you play while mm-hmm. you improvise and that's very jazzy to do you know you kind of Ooh. scat along with it because then yeah. uh, I've tried this a little bit you know on a, on a on a child level and it is good because you get the connection in between what you're doing with your left hand and right hand and uh, what you're doing with your uh, voice so it really mm-hmm. connects up in the dome you know uh, it's a smart way to uh, you know Get as close as possible uh, to your guitar becoming part of your body, because your vocals yeah. are always part of your body. So it's Absolutely. a smart trick, and I'm sure Chris could uh, do a mean oh, scat yeah. along with a, in, an improvised uh, guitar lead. You know, it's a tip oh, for anyone 100%. out there, a little bit younger and more promising than us, to do that, try <laughs> that. You <know? laughs> yeah, your, your future just, is bright. Don't. Don't just, don't just start with sweeps. Yeah, yeah, sweeps and wah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> don't buy a, a wah too early. I, I, one of the best yeah. things that happened to me, my wah broke down when I was uh, 17. My tone would have been shit if it didn't.
1: I think uh, it's, it's easy to, I think it's natural to, to gravitate to things like a whammy bar or a wah mm-hmm. when you're young. Because it's almost like they can hide a lot of insecurities. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's uh, ma- makeup, basically, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I always encourage people to try and, I mean, not like people are lining up getting my, trying to get my opinion on how to fucking play guitar, but like establish your ability before you establish the ability to color it, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of
0: like uh, build a good house before you
1: paint it. Yes. (laughs) You know what? Wow. That's a a way better and way smarter way of saying what I just tried to say. Yes. Learn how to build a house before you learn how to paint it. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. And I'm sure he did. Um, great guitarist. Uh,
0: what about the '90s, the era of Friedman? What was he up to?
1: Uh, uh, Chris, that is. Well, after Return to Metalopolis in the, in um, 1990, he started. A, he formed a new band um, called Damn the Machine, mm. and uh, they had uh, generated enough uh, interest that they actually, again, you know, Chris Poland, at this point. I mean, if you if you look at the timeline of when his his next run of of stuff comes up, I, I would have to assume that the ex Megadeth thing had to have helped him a little bit because you got to figure Return to Metalopolis comes out in nineteen ninety. Okay, well, Megadeth is not a platinum band until probably ninety one, after Rust in Peace.
0: Yeah, and Chris uh, was going to add too it's not a celebrity. Probably no, never, never was, never will be, right?
1: Definitely not. No.
0: But he, he could still point to that record and say, yeah, if you want to hear me yeah. play, uh, check that
1: out. Yeah. My
0: abilities, you know. But,
1: but also, but it's not like pre Rust and Peace, Megadeth was nothing. I think they probably had a gold record on so far, so good, so what. So at least there's some, there's a, there is a successful entity that he could point to as, as connective tissue. It's a strong resume even though it's short yeah, yeah. absolutely but, but then here's but between 90 and 93 a lot happens in the megadeth camp as far as their level of as far as success and, and mm-hmm. where they climb to um a lot happens yes. in Megadeth, and so uh the damn the, the machine record comes out in 1993 on a&m records okay. Very cool record, but I feel like it's also maybe just i wouldn't even say it's it's late in the game. I would say it's probably a little ahead of its time in a way because I would say it's progressive metal mm-hmm. but it definitely has that chris Polan jazzy element to it, but I would say it's probably closer to like if i don't know how familiar you are with early nineties fate's warning. Um, I know it, I'm 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 not familiar, but I like the band. Yeah, I would say it's probably in the ballpark of of a sound like a an early '90s Fates Warning, comparable to the um, Parallels era.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a very prog title, Parallels.
0: Parallels, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> subdivisions. Parallels, yes, and and I think in that. There, they did have an an ability at that time. It's weird, considering at least over here in America, the, the the cultural change of popular music had become very Seattle based. Yeah, but there's always bands that are anomalies. There's always bands that break through inexplicably. That you, you, when you. Especially in hindsight, when you look back at what was going on, you're like, "Well, how did that happen?" Yeah, I mean, thank in, God, in 90- or thank Satan, t- thank any Lord for that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But in '92 and '93, uh, Dream Theater um, comes out with images and words. Yep, yep. and they hit that it was I, they hit it big. I mean, they had "Pull Me Under," and I mean, they had songs that were getting a lot of airplay here in America, right. and it's inexplicable how that happened in 1993. Well, Pull
0: Me Under is a very strong song. Uh, I'm not really yeah. into, not into that band. Never really been. I've seen them live, though, uh, because, you know, why not? It's fun. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm always surprised when I go back to... Uh, or not go back to, I don't really do that, but when I hear Pull Me Under, because, like, why didn't they write more strong songs like this? <laughs> is what I think. It's a very strong song.
1: I have three Dream Theater records. I only listen to one of them, and it's still images and words. I still mm. think it's, it's the fucking... It's still, it's. I think it's the perfect Dream Theater record.
0: I have uh, Metropolis Part Two, scenes from my memory. I think it's called. You know
1: what? I if I ever buy another Dream Theater record, I think it's going to be that one because Metropolis but the best Part, Part parts One is on
0: that one. Are st- stolen from Metallica. It's like they have <laughs> a super nice theme melody that reoccurs. but, yeah. it, but it's to live is to die.
1: John Petrucci was very influenced by Metallica. Yeah, yeah. He said that his rhythm yeah. sound is, is trying yeah. to be headfield basically. And Absolutely. He so so if I part. ever get another Dream Theater record, it'd probably be Metropolis Part 2 because Metropolis Part 1 is on images and words.
0: And covering the entirety of Number of the Beast
1: and Master Puppets Live. Yes. It's endearing to me that no matter how great they are, they're still just kind of knuckleheads and just be like, well, yeah, well, we yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't you know? argue with that. It makes me like them a- <laughs> I think that the, the trend of bands in the metal genre doing full records, I think Dream Theater started that. Yeah, yeah I thought so. I, I, I thought don't, so too, yeah. don't remember bands doing that until Dream Theater started doing other bands' full records. Yeah. So it's not even, like, and, it's and not even guess- like Dream Theater invented that by doing like, oh, we're going to do an Images and Words evening or something like that, or an Awake evening. No, they started the trend – by playing classic albums from other bands in their entirety. And then those bands saw them doing it, and were like, well, fuck, we'll just do that. Yeah, and then every yeah. other band started doing and it. No, something. I had the
0: same thought. Uh, made in Japan, yeah. uh, Master Puppets, Number of the Beast. and But I think it's yeah. way cooler when it's someone else's record. Like, uh, I think at, that's, at the gates yeah. now, we talked about the AFLM uh, Metal Fest. They play the entirety of Slaughter of the Soul. That's not so interesting to me, because when I saw them, they kind of did anyway. It's a short album. right? So it's like yeah, it's, I don't yeah. really get that, and also I don't like setlist spoilers. I don't want to see that on the poster. Then I know yeah. all this I have to set. <laughs> like, yeah. But if you do the entirety of yeah. *Number of the Beast*, be my guest, anytime, any band. Yeah, in any style. I th- and
1: I think I think uh, which says a lot about their musicality. I think dr- when Dream Theater did those gigs, they just they didn't say anything. They they played like even better. A, they played like a thirty minute set. A forty-five-minute set of like their own stuff, and then they went off stage. They had a brief intermission, and if I remember correctly, like they went off stage, and right before they came back on, they had like a like a, a projector backdrop, and all of a sudden, just like whatever was on, they just for whatever reason, the cover of Master of Puppets was there, or the cover of the Number of the Beast was there, and then people who showed up to that gig were just suddenly treated to a full. Explosion of those two records, you I'm, know. I'm like, not, I'm not actually. Yeah. I'm, this, is,
0: this is not a promise, but I'm not going to throw any shade on those guys. That's too good. That's too good I move That's too cool. No, a move. you. Had,
1: yeah. The the amount of work it takes to do that right is is a lot. Alright, so Dan the Machine 93, uh, they do. Um, this is something I, I would have really liked to have seen, uh, but I was only 11 and knew nothing about either band at the time. But I, I believe the uh, the tour to support this record in America was Dan the Machine and Voivod, um, which I would have loved to have seen. I think, honestly, if you're, even if you're looking stylistically, um, especially at that point in the Voivod, arc of creativity the outer limits era um it it was a perfectly matched bill actually so that would have been great to see but uh, you know at that time you know it's a the damn the machine record is really cool but i think at that time in america at least there was really only a window for one band in that kind of genre to really break through and doesn't matter how great the Fates Warning stuff was in that era, era, or really anyone else. Dream Theater had the hot hand, and they were, <laughs> and they were the progressive metal band that uh, American society was going to allow into the uh, the mix of uh, culture, I guess. But I mean, the, so Dan-
0: the U.S. You guys are known for destroying metal, but uh, that's a very, very skewed um, perspective. <sighs> you know, a couple of years back, I got into some American metal, and from different ages, Manila Road, amazing. Fates warning crimson glory yeah also amazing So, i mean america is definitely in the top. Well, it's, it's as big as, as a metal country
1: as it is a hockey nation you know? it's funny you should mention that because that's actually a great segue because dan the machine it doesn't last very long beyond the debut record i think the band is defunct or dis uh disbanded by 95 i think they did a, a Japanese tour with Dream Theater, which is also would have been perfect at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I think after that, they ran into issues with the uh, the label as far as the next record is concerned. Kind of the people that signed them had been replaced at that point because obviously the whole industry had kind of restructured. And so I think they were done by 95. At that point, I think uh, Poland, I think he had uh, started um, maybe addressing – Not so much less of a musical um, output, but he did open either, I think, recording studios or rehearsal studios in Los Angeles, which considering how many bands are out there. That could be fairly lucrative. That's actually a pretty fucking good idea.
0: <laughs> so he was a tech as well.
1: Um, I, I don't know if he was at that point. I'm not sure, but if you say so, I, I'm 100%... No, 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 no I'm you. asking. I don't know at all. Oh, but, no, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if he did, was a tech. I'm just asking if
0: he did, like, session guitar, or if he did uh, uh, se- um, engineering, um, producing, whatnot.
1: I think he probably, I think at that point, he might have been looking at his... Uh, that might have been in that era, the late 90s, the, the birth of that uh, OM project that he still kind of has to some degree to this day. O H M. Yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, same name as the bass player from Sleep. Oh, okay. Well, name, I didn't even know I don't that.
1: remember the name of that
0: guy, but uh, OM was his uh, you know, band. Uh, you know, High on Fire was Matt Pike's oh, yeah, journey, yeah, yeah. and the bass player uh, huh. went to do OM, which I think both OM okay. and High on Fire are better than Sleep, but that's kind of, I guess, semi-unpopular opinion.
1: No, no, well not, not as far as this conversation, I, I think sleep sucks. Uh, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to take it that far, <laughs> but, but you know, it's, I, uh, I agree. It's fucking boring Bad Sabbath. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Playing in Megadeth,
0: I discovered uh, Chris Paul. Yes. And then I had a chance to listen to all the solos, uh, isolated solos, all the tracks listening. And I said, wow, Chris Paul is amazing, and it's so clean, and so... and then I understood.
1: But those guys weren't strung out, they were just called, um, what people call them chipper, chipping, when you just do it once in a while. Right. And you know, Gar was wasn't the healthiest guy,
2: but man, he no matter what, he sat behind that drum set, he played his parts, no matter how sick he was. We had to go on stage, like, seriously sick. You know, our pupils are as big as black dinner man.
1: That's what happens when you are coming out parallel. own I'm kind of past the, uh, the meat of, uh, his contributions, I think at this point he kind of maybe settled out of so much an active role in the music business as he was actually just a music businessman. Because obviously, like I said, in, in Los Angeles, owning a rehearsal building or a building full of rehearsal rooms and a recording studio, that could be fairly lucrative. Good movie. Yeah. Um Yeah, good yeah, absolutely. But I think um you know, obviously he comes back to Megadeth in two thousand four. He plays lead guitar on the system has failed record. And also, in that time period, I think he really kind of has a resurgence as far as his, um, his awareness in the, the next generation of uh, metal bands because um, at that point, around 2003, 2004, the new wave of American heavy metal kind of starts to rear its head. And bands like Lamb of God
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, grew up as Megadeth fans and they have, you know, they're fans of P Cell specifically. And they have uh, Chris Poland play uh, guest solos on their 2003 record "As the Palaces Burn," and also um, a guest solo on um, the following record "Ashes of the Wake." So I think that kind of heightened awareness as far as uh, you know his time in Megadeth, because at that point, you know the the Megadeth that everyone kind of. Noted as being Megadeth would have been the '90s Megadeth because of how successful it was and how many records they sold. So I think that, like, when you have a lineup like that in an era like that, really anything before it kind of takes a backseat to a certain degree. So I think that Lamb of God was really actually, you know, beneficial to not only raising the profile of Chris Poland himself, but raising the profile of, of pre pre '90s Megadeth. To a degree,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I remember yeah. that time because that time I was yeah. so into extreme metal, yeah. So, Lamb of God was immediately dismissed by me, like, right, I'm, yes. not, I'm not gonna <laughs> listen, I'm uh, not gonna, I'm not gonna even like these guys. But uh, I only know two songs still today, and those two songs are actually good there's a walk, walk with me in hell, and then the redneck tune.
1: I'm not, I'm not, oh, I. Redneck is the song that kind of ruined that band for me. Actually, I like <laughs> that song.
0: Uh, I don't know why, but <laughs> this is a
1: motherfucking invitation. <laughs> oh. um, how does how does that kind of behavior even translate to Swedes? It just seems uh, so well, laughable. Uh, actually, the
0: singer in my old band—I <laughs> mean, he lived in the States for a bit in his like formative years—but he always made jokes about this is some motherfucking invitation. Oh, like you should put so that uh, when you know when you send out the invites to your wedding or something. I thought this is a <laughs> motherfucking invitation.
1: That's great. Well, that's funny for but sure. I'm not,
0: I'm not going to dig in deeper. I'm just going to respect the guys yeah. and like those two tracks that I know it's enough.
1: You know? Oh no, absolutely. I, I respect them. I mean, they've, they've, uh, they're probably one of the bigger bands, at least as far as what we've contributed to, um, popular modern yeah. metal in the last 20 I'm very years very into so. the
0: drumming of Adler even before he did Dystopia I, I yeah. noticed yeah. like I like there's, that there's a,
1: there's a Megadeth tie in right there as well too obviously clearly uh, later on down the road uh, Chris Adler ended up playing in Megadeth so yeah yep. that's also related He does his, like I said before, his uh, lead guitar return to Megadeth on system has failed. stain for uh, <laughs> for for uh, performance uh, royalties they're still fighting now you, you <laughs> guys
0: still fighting. you were fist fighting uh yeah. 20 years ago and you're, think... you haven't made up <laughs> you haven't yeah made up. what the hell have you ever have you ever been in a fist fight let alone with a band member that's just so foreign to me it's so far away
1: i it's i haven't been in a fist fight in probably 20 at least we'll say twenty years.
0: Yeah, I stopped. I stopped. I stopped at age ten. Before ten, <laughs> yeah. I did because uh, small guys can't communicate. You know, so you have to earn respect somehow. But right, but, of course. but after ten, I didn't know.
1: Of Course, yeah, well, it's just such a waste of time. Because I mean, at this point, I'm all, I'm hanging out with with all, also other old dudes, and who wants to fucking work in the morning, or who wants to fucking have to explain to their kids why their your eyes are black or your nose is fucking broken? You know. Um. So yeah. Uh. Sue's Mustaine for uh. Performance royalties for the Rust in Peace demos that came out in the two thousand four. <laughs> um, I think I think funny. I don't know I why this, that's so fun, but it's it, like, it, no, it is. Funny I think the reason guys, I find
0: it so entertaining is that he's back after all
1: these years to do a yeah. record, and then immediately yeah. sues him. <laughs> immediately like, sues good him. Comedy. It's like it's like like no time ever passed. But to be fair, I mean, I'm not going to bore anyone with the details here. If you if you if you look at uh, Chris Poland's rationale behind it, it makes perfect sense. He's like he won. Yes, but it was. I think that effectively ended his uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: I relationship with right.
1: Mustaine. I'd imagine that you wouldn't both professionally and personal, because I think Mustaine said it was, in his words, a nuisance lawsuit. Because I, I think it was only over like, well, I'm not going to say only over because if someone wants to put twenty grand in my pocket tonight, I'll absolutely take it. But like, I think it was like a, it was over a sum of like ten to twenty thousand dollars. But like, pulling his logic. Well, clearly, it was it was reasonable both in morals and both in the in the legalities of it. Since he, he I think he won it, but like, uh, call back to a breadline, that thing. Just pick up your goddamn phone and call yeah. the guy. You know, just. But also, like, he he called according to Chris Paul, and he called Mustaine multiple times, <laughs> saying what. Like, am I getting paid? He's like, durr, 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 durr. yeah. And he's watching, like, Chris Paul. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly, there. exactly. And he said his whole logic was, okay, well, is Nick Menza getting paid for this? Is is Allison? Yeah, getting paid for this? Chris Paul said, if if the, if these guys, because obviously Mustaine's getting paid because he's still in the band, but at that point Allison wasn't in. It. At that point, Nick Menza wasn't in. It. His whole logic was. Are these guys getting paid for this? Yeah. If they're not, um, I'll totally, I'll totally walk away right now. Totally fine. If they're not getting paid, dead issue as far as I'm concerned. But that wasn't the case. They were get, they were getting performance royalties as well. So he's like, well, if they're getting performance royalties, I'm, I'm entitled to them as well. Which that's hard logic to argue. And I think, and I think that's why he was able to win the lawsuit.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's how
1: law works. You have an example. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yes, (laughs) a precedent.
1: (laughs) Yes, yeah, exactly. And so uh, I think at that point, um, ever since then, he's been kind of doing his own thing. Uh, Unfortunately, um, Nick Menza died on stage with him in 2016 uh, after he joined his his jazz band, OM. There's a special place in
0: Valhalla for uh, Nick Menza and Dimebag Darrell. You die. Yeah, you die it's... in battle, and then you get to the, the the good, the nice hall, the gilded hall, and not that uh, shitty place yeah. that is like here. <laughs>
1: the, the hall,
0: the hall on high. You know, in Viking mythology, uh, the the name of world is hell, mm-hmm. but we one hell. Yeah, Hell.
1: That's that's different. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Go ponder that after this yeah, episode. That's right. Yeah, I know it makes sense if you think about it, but it's unfortunate that circumstance. Um, I mean, it's it's the the poetry of. Um, ex Megadeth members persistently, as is currently happening now, getting together with other members of Megadeth who they weren't even in Megadeth with at the time they were in Megadeth yeah. to create create new music. Seemingly, despite uh, Mr. Mustaine, it's like the
0: Halo effect over here in Sweden.
1: All ex members of Inflames.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I think and right. Anders Fredian could be the culprit in that case. Uh, yeah, he's a, a bit of a character. Yeah. So, are we at the tail end of, of uh, Mister CCP?
1: Uh that's that's basically it. I think he's um, oh, unfortunately, you know, Nick Menza passed on stage with Ohm, but I believe Ohm is uh, well, I don't believe I know for a fact Ohm is still going strong. He's actually just put out a couple singles I think in in yeah. uh, the last six months to a year. Definitely a little bit more aggressive, right? Um, a little more uh, metallic on the other right. things, and I I'm always a big fan of hearing uh, Chris Pollen. You know, play guitar like that because I just think he's a really unique player in that world, and uh, yeah, that's our. Uh, unless you have anything to add, I feel that's like that's all, our, folks. Uh, di- and ma- deep, ma- deep, ma- deep, deep, deep. That's all, folks. See ya. So far, so
2: good.